You're listening to a Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference podcast. The 10th annual Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at the Royal Irish Academy on the 19th and 20th of August 2022. The conference was generously supported by the Royal Irish Academy and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the conference was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media in association with History Hub. You can access the archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Evan Burke from Maynooth University entitled Visualising the Early Modern Dictionary of Irish Biography. I'm going to speak today about the McMorris Project, which is a four-year project that is running from 2019 to 2023 that is funded by the Irish Research Council Laureate Scheme. McMorris aims to map the full range and richness of cultural activity across languages and ethnic groups in early modern Ireland from 1541 to 1660. It seeks to present a picture of early modern Ireland that goes against the prevailing Anglo-centric perspective of literary historical scholarship by developing an open access resource that maps significant cultural actors of whatever ethnicity, writing in or engaging with Gaelic, English, Latin, Scots, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese and Dutch in the late 16th and early 17th century Ireland. In doing that, it'll provide for the first time an inclusive account of creative scholarly and intellectual activity in the period. So to achieve this, we are building an open access website that we hope to launch in summer, autumn 2023. So hopefully this time next year you'll be able to use it. The website will have profile pages for every person in our overarching data set and will have basic biographical metadata, who they are connected to in our data set and a list of their works if they have any. This data will then be visualised in two ways, through interactive networks and through what we are calling a deep map of Munster, which will represent the multiplicity of cultural activity in the province from around 1580 to 1607. So to build our overarching data set, we are bringing together, augmenting and cleaning four different data sets to see how they overlap and quite often don't and different perspectives they can give us. The first is the Dictionary of Irish Biography, which is an open access biography hosted here at the Royal Irish Academy, and which I'll talk about for the most of this paper. The second is the Bardic Poetry Database hosted at the Dublin Institute of Advanced Studies, which is a catalogue of Irish Bardic poetry from the 13th to the 17th century that was compiled by Catherine Sims. So the third is a hand-curated data set drawn from the ESTC and Early English Books Online, that contains works written by an Irish actor, written by an actor while they are in Ireland, written by an actor substantially about Ireland, texts printed in Ireland, and texts written by an actor before or after their time in Ireland. This is the section of the database I'm currently cleaning, so we're not in a position to show anything from it just yet, but the aim is to have a list of works of the individual actors' metadata pages to extract cultural networks from these works by ensuring that we also capture their printers, their publishers, their booksellers, and the dedicatees of the works. The final data set is a hand-curated data set made up of bishops, chaplains, harpers, musicians, mapmakers, surveyors, medical families, merchants, etc., that have not been captured by any of the three other data sets, as absence from these data sets does not mean non-existence. 
and Pat Palmer in particular has been using her great detective skills to draw together this data set, and we'll surely talk about it to anyone who would like to know more. So as you can see, there are quite a few components to the project, and while I could talk all day about any different aspect, I'll focus on the first two data sets today, the DIB, and at the very end, very slightly, the Bardic Poetry Database and the networks they can produce, mainly because that is what I can fit into the time I have. Um, the section of the project aims to explore possible social network inferences through the lens of the Dictionary of Irish Biography, or the DIB for short, in order to see the ways in which early modern people in Ireland were related. To do this, we are using network visualisation or network analysis. So for those who are new to these terms, a network is a set of relationships between different objects. When visualising a network, the objects are referred to as nodes and the relationships are known as edges. When visualising the network, and using historical networks in particular, people tend to be nodes, while the relationships between them tend to be the edges. So to use this approach with the Dictionary of Irish Biography, we have to transform biographical text, which focuses on a single person, but contains rich information about social relations, into what the Six Degrees of Francis Bacon project has described as a global, non-egocentric network graph, which requires extracting information about nodes, persons, and their edges, relations. So the overall aim of this section of McMorris is very similar to Six Degrees of Francis Bacon, but with a much smaller data set and a politically different data set. In terms of size, for the period 1540 to 1660, there are 1,068 biographies in the Dictionary of Irish Biography, compared to 12,500 in the Oxford Dictionary of National Biography. And in terms of politics, the 1,068 biographies have been chosen to their, due to their importance to Irish history compared to British history, as deemed by the editors of both of these projects. So due to the size differential in data sets, our approach can differ to that of Six Degrees of Francis Bacon, who used computational approaches and used named entity recognition software to extract the amount of names that were mentioned in each biography before using an algorithm to produce a statistical likelihood as to whether one person knew each other. So as we're dealing with just over a thousand biographies, we want to explore different ways of extracting our networks. One way to do this was to assign each biography an ID and look for the connections between the biographies. This way we could look at the connections already mentioned, um, already highlighted by the editors of the DIB, who have added hyperlinks or QVs between the biographies that are connected. And as you can see on screen here, this is the biography of Thomas Fitzmaurice, and he has a QV connected to James Fitzgerald, 14th Earl of Desmond. So we're thankful to the DIB and the Royal Irish Academy who have shared with us the XML files of the entire site, which allowed us to extract all the hyperlinks from the 1068 biographies and represent them as a network connection, which is what we see on this slide here. So here we have 1,068 nodes or people and 5,838 edges or QVs, and it is a bit of an unreadable hairball in its current state. So presence in these networks highlights works that have been accepted into or privileged into the wider historiography of the DIB, while absence demonstrates where more scholarship may need to be done, so women and other marginalised groups, for example, or where scholarship on these groups needs to be further integrated into broader discussions of early modern Ireland or incorporated into the DIB. And by that, I mean, if you look at the biographies, the names that aren't hyperlinked or don't have QVs, if we incorporate them into the network, it makes a much more inclusive network. So how can we, as a project, help with this integration? Well, we can start by looking beyond the hyperlinks. As, by, 
as by looking at the hyperlinked connections, we are reifying the connections that we expect to see. If you look at Thomas Fitzmaurice's biography again, you can see that he's connected, why he's connected to James Fitzgerald. He married James's daughter, Margaret. So shouldn't she also be in the network? In order to incorporate Margaret and other figures like her, we read through the biographies manually, marking up the network connections. To do this, I read through the 1068 biographies, marking who was mentioned in each biography, excluding connections that occurred before 1540 and ones that occurred after 1660, and assigning a new ID for every person mentioned who met our selection criteria. And that was that within the confines of the DIB, could be accurately disambiguated, could be assigned a flower at a minimum, could be assigned a role in occupation, and could be said to have lived in or be tied to Ireland or Irish culture and politics. So during this process, I also marked up a connection type. Was it a kinship connection, an ally connection, an enmity connection, and a time length for the connection, drawing on the contextual information within the biographies themselves? We then extracted potential connections from co-citations, so two people being mentioned in the same biography, excluded links already captured, and checked to see if the contextual information in the biographies warranted a connection between the co-cited. So the overall result of this network and this process started in March 2020 and finished in February 2022, so you can see how I spent my lockdowns, is a, is a network with 1,889 nodes, which is 821 more people than the Hyperlink Connection Network, and 7,072 edges, which is 1,234 more connections. Of the 1,889 nodes, around 400 of them are women, and that's around 21% of the network. That is up on the 3.5% of women who have their own biography for this time period in the DIB. At this moment, I would like to pause and thank the DIB for talking to me about this imbalance and for commissioning five new biographies in the last month of early modern women. And hopefully this will just be the start of a new wave of additions of early modern women into the database. Uh, What I would like to show now is a result of a temporal analysis. So starting in the 1540s, you can see the largest node nodes are still the ones you expect to see. Leonard Gray, Anthony St. Ledger, Lord Deputies rank highly throughout all these networks. You also see that the network changes to represent the historiography on key, different key events. The Desmond Rebellion, the Nine Years' War, Wentworth's government, the event of 1641, Cromwellian Ireland. There are also differences to what this network would look like if I did a temporal video of the, of the hyperlinks. You may have noticed the presence of Elizabeth herself, Elizabeth was not in the first network, as she does not have a DIB entry, having never set foot in Ireland. And when you look at the people with the most connections who don't have DIB entries, they do follow a similar pattern, a person of power from an external state, so English monarchs, Spanish monarchs, Portuguese monarchs, popes. Um, And we hope that these networks offer a wider picture of early modern Ireland, both politically and socially, and one that should open up research avenues for those that explore this network when we launch the project website next year. So when, when you look at the largest degree for each decade between 1540 and 1660, you are likely to see figures who feature prominently in the dominant historiography. And this is to be expected from a prospographical network whose aim is to give an overview of the period. In that sense, it does just that. But we want to drill further down into these networks to uncover uncover other narratives at play in such large interconnected spaces. And one way to do that is to use network visualisation algorithms to see the roles performed by um, different people in the network. So to do this, we 
we used five algorithms and looked them together to detect different roles. And this is a process coined by John Orlad, who worked on the Six Degrees of Francis Bacon project in his own analysis of the Six Degrees of Francis Bacon data. So the five algorithms we used are degree, which measures how many people a certain person is connected to within the network. Eccentricity, so how close to, are they to the centre of the network? So how close are they to that middle of that circle that you saw on the previous slide? Page rank, so this is kind of like the Google page rank algorithm, uh, how influential a person is, so then they can rise to the top the more connected they are and more internet interconnected they are to different people in the network. Uh, betweenness, so how often they act as a bridge between two people. And clustering, are they in a highly connected part of the network? Do they, are they all connected to the same people, which cause a little bubble? And that doesn't necessarily have to be in the middle. You can have peripheral clustering as well. So once we ran those um, algorithms, we worked out the average score for each algorithm, ranked each person if they were high, medium, low, based on their, their average, if they're above or below the average in the, algorith in the algorithm. And then those that ranked highly, very highly across the board, we ranked as super hubs, and they're going to be in purple on the next slide that you'll see. Usually you have one of them per decade. Uh, hubs, there's those that rank highly across the board, and they're in red. Um, you'll have a couple more of them. Then there's major brokers. They're, these have a good number of connections, are clustered in a really dense populated part of the network, and have high betweenness, so they act as bridging points between two different people. And they're green, and this, for me, is actually the most interesting category. Uh, there's peripheral brokers, those with low degree but high betweenness, so they might be connected to that many people, but they connect the centre to the periphery of the network, and they're in yellow. Peripheral hubs, so those that have good degree but aren't connected to the centre, are in pink. There is those with medium degree with high betweenness in orange, and then everyone else is in blue. So I've done this from the, uh, from the 1570s to the 1580s, and you'll see one super hub, Henry Sidney. Unsurprising. Hubs, you have 29 people, including Elizabeth I, James Fitzmaurice Fitzgerald, Thomas Butler, William Fitzwilliam, and Nicholas Malby. And then you get into your green connection, your, your bridges, your brokers, and we have 86 people. And these are the ones I'm really interested in, because you can kind of see Edmund Campion, Humphrey Gilbert, Thomas Fitzmaurice, Barnaby Googe, Richard Stanyhurst, Christopher Nugent, Robert Lloyd, and Utana O'Morha. So in this category, in your bridging category, you start to see cultural actors, authors, map makers, Gaelic lordship figures, which then that makes us think about the, what's at the centre and what's at the periphery and what, what people are acting as the bridging points connecting different parts of the society. However, if someone is not mentioned in the DIB biography, this approach cannot capture them. While reading through, the entries has helped us to adjust the gender imbalance from 3.5% to the 20%, 21%, there are still large absences of some Gaelic-Irish families, secondary branches of these families in particular, merchant military classes and bardic poets, highlighting how scholarship on these fields was never fully integrated into the DIB in its incorporation. As a result, we need to supplement this data with both Anglophone and Gaelic cultural data. And in order to expand the network further, we've been doing that with the Bardic Poetry Database. So as I mentioned at the start of this paper, the Bardic Poetry Database is a database of Irish poetry from the 12th century until the 18th century, compiled by Catherine Sims and now being updated and hosted, hosted by Michal Hoyne at Dias. Our key questions when performing this analysis included who was writing poetry for whom and who wrote poetry for the largest number of their patrons. 
Who was written about the most and who was the most influential patron? How does this change provincially? The file Dias shared with us contained the same categories. So before we were able to perform the analysis, we had to kind of reconcile the way they structured their data to the way we structured our data, which had a process of data cleaning, which is how my colleague Deirdre Carhi spent her lockdown. Because um, in their data set, they actually treat Christian names and surnames as separate IDs. So Tyg Dahl O'Higgins would have Tyg Dahl as one ID and O'Higgins as another um, ID. So we've had to combine them and give it one ID for there. Um, so therefore, Deirdre went through each of the poems um, dated between the mid-16th century and late 17th century, creating records and IDs for each unique poet and patron and the poems they were connected to. At this po point, we were able to extract the network data by treating the poems as the edges. So rather than the biographies being the edges, the poems became the edges. And using a Python code to draw in the poets of the poem and the patron of the poem alongside the rest of the metadata from the Bardic Poetry database. And we were able to then to draw in location, time period, the class of the poem, which we were able to use as filters to kind of interrogate this network. So then we filtered the data set to only include the praise poems where both the patron and the poet were known. So the results are a network visualised from 691 poems that include 229 different poets, 287 different patrons, and have 550 different unique patron relationships. But the image I have chosen to show you here is the families rather than the individual poets. So you can see the Macanvards writing for the Idono, the Ochusa writing for the Maguire, the Idali writing for the Ivrin. And then when we break it down into the individual poets, you can see network algorithms like Degree to see which poet wrote for the most patrons and which patrons employed the most poets. And in this table, you can see the top 10 poets. So you can see Tyg Dolo Higgin, Fergalog Macomvard, Ochio Husse, Tyg McBrudehe, Angus O'Dolly Fionn. So let's take a quick look at Tyg Dahl's network. He is the only poet to write for 19 patrons, which includes two poems for Sorla Bree MacDonald and Breen McCain O'Hepra. While O'Higgin wrote a poem for Donna O'Brien, you can see here that Tyg McDara McBrudehe is actually O'Brien's main poet having penned seven poems for his patron. So when we look at the network from this perspective of the patron, or in degree, we see that two patrons in particular stand out, the Ulster-based Kukunat Dog Maguire and the Leinster-based Fiat Magaeha Overin, who both of whom employed 16 different poets and have 30, 32 and 23 poems written about them, respectively, that has a known poet. In the case of Kukunat Dog Maguire, four poets in including Gilariavok, Krihir Kronodali, wrote for just him, but all just wrote one poem, while Fergal Og Macomvard wrote seven poems for him, but also wrote for 25 other patrons. Anokhio Husser wrote six poems for him, but also wrote for 21 other patrons. So I'm aware that this is only a quick snapshot of the Bardic networks, but for those interested in this part of McMorris, uh, Deirdre Nikarhi and I have written up a longer analysis, and that's what will be published in Renaissance Quarterly at the start of next year. And the reason why I wanted to kind of move from the DIB to the Bardic Poetry Database to bring it back to the DIB is that I wanted to show what happens when you try and combine these two data sets. Um, we reperformed our role detection algorithms on, on this co combination for the 1580s. And the reason I've done this decade analysis will now become evident. So dating of Bardic Poetry is extremely difficult. 
however, the poems have been dated to their nearest third of a century. So if I tried to do a decade and an individual year analysis of the DIB, it wouldn't have spoken as easily to the poetry. Whereas by going by decade, we were able to go for the third of a decade. For the 30 years of that third of a decade, put them all the poems in each decade of the DIB analysis and allow then it to expand and see what the overlaps are. Um, so, that's, so that means that I was able to take the late 16th century poems and connect them to the 1580s DIB data and see what happens. So here we have 43 uh, hubs in the combined data set, uh, and there was only 33 hubs in the DIB data only. So the added hubs include Tyke Dollow Higging, Kukunuk Dog McGuire, Christopher Nugent, and Fergalog Macomvord, all of whom have biographies. But when you just take the data from their biographies, it doesn't actually give you the full impact of their cultural production that bringing in these poems then brings them up into the hub status rather than broker status. In terms of brokers, which is our green no, um, nodes, we have 77 bridges in the combined data set and 77 in, in the DIB only. So you can see that some people dropped down, some people came in. The added ones include James Fitzmaurice Fitzgerald, Morris Roach, Tyg McDara, McBrudehe, while the dropped bridges include Lodwick Brisket, Nicholas Bagnell and Barnaby Gouge which then that gives us stuff to work with in terms of an analysis, because now you're going to think and wondering about cultural actors like Brisket and Gouge, what's happening when you bring in more Gaelic sources? What is, what, what's their influence? It, it, how, how is it changing? And then how do you compare their influence to someone like Tyg McDara and who, who does become a bridge when they drop down? And that's what we want to do in the next phase of the project. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference. You can access the entire archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify.